Father, we pray over the rest of this worship service. We pray over the, the time as we come to your word. We pray over the singing. We pray over the time in the Lord's Supper. Lord, everything we do this morning, we want to bring glory and honor and praise to you. And so we, we pray that you would help us in that. And especially now as we come to your word, Father, we, we want to hear you speak to us and we want to have your guidance in our lives. And so we pray that you would meet us here as we come to your word, that anything that may distract us, any worries or anxieties or fears that may distract us from hearing your word, Lord, we pray that you would, that you would hold them off and help us to hear you clearly this morning. So, Father, we pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. So, like I mentioned, we're going to start working our way through the book of Titus. And we're looking at the first four verses this morning. So, Titus chapter 1. Verses 1 through 4. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God, our Savior. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So as, as the calendar ends up rolling over from one year into the next, um, we all somewhat find ourselves in a pondering mood, don't we? Start kind of thinking back about what happened on the previous year and all the different things that happened and looking forward to what's ha- going to happen next. Maybe dreaming a little bit about what's coming in 2020. Maybe dreading a little bit of what's coming in 2020. Um, it's a pretty natural thing. In this past week, I've been kind of doing my own pondering and thinking about some of the things that have been happening in our congregation in Faith Community Church over the past year. And uh, some of you guys know I, I use journals a lot, and so I pulled out all my journals from the past year and were flipping through them and regularly found myself saying, no way, that, that wasn't just a year ago, was it? <laughs> I can't believe that happened a year ago. Or, um, and I really found myself realizing how jam-packed this year was. Jam-packed with a lot of really good things and jam-packed with a lot of really difficult things. One of the things that came up as I went through my journals and went through all of our prayer requests for the past year, and um, one of the themes was health issues. We've had, we've had a year packed with health issues. We've not only had health struggles with health, but we've also had numerous people who've been very close to us whom we've lost this past year. We've had concussions. We've had broken arms, strokes, breathing issues, cancer. We've also had a lot of surgeries. I, I, started, I started listing off all the different surgeries that happened in our church. We had heart surgeries, back surgeries, knee surgeries, hip surgeries, foot surgeries, wrist surgeries, finger surgeries, tooth surgeries, 
gland surgeries, eye and ear surgeries, and other surgeries that we're just not going to talk about. (laughs) Pretty much if there's a part of our body, someone in our body had a surgery on that. We've had a lot of a lot of surgery and health issues this past year. Yet another really powerful thing that I realized that through that, as I was going through our prayer requests, was that in the midst of all of our health issues, in the midst of all of the surgeries, we've seen powerful, powerful answers to prayer. Answers to prayer we've, where we prayed for something for months and months and months, and all of a sudden God answered and brought about that, um, what we were asking him. I also noticed a lot of visits that happened, um, which was really fun. Every time I would go visit someone who was in the hospital or who was sick, I would say every time I heard about someone else from the church who had, oh, so-and-so was just here visiting me. And I thought, that's really great. And I'm not talking about pastor visits or elder visits. I'm talking about people in the church, seeing other people in the church struggling and going and hanging out and visiting and giving care to them. That's a really cool thing. I heard a lot about people in our church just getting together and having meals with one another and enjoying company and getting to know each other more fully. We had the great opportunity to baptize little Presley into our church fellowship and get to see the answer to prayer that she got full custody in the Lipham home this past year, which we prayed for for like six months. And we also had the opportunity to welcome nine new members into our church. And I could say we could just summarize that up, that we worshiped in community this past year. We were a community and we worshiped together and we worshiped in community. There's a lot of work done and I'm just going to preface this to realize that I may not mention all of the work that got done because I don't even know necessarily all of the work that gets done around here because there's always people coming and going and doing work. But one of the big things that happened, we got a new shed out there and there was a lot of work that went into getting that the old shed out and the new shed in and the new shed put in the right place. And a number of you guys were really here every single day, digging and working and hurting yourselves, getting that shed to be in that place, and we appreciate that. We spent a few days working on our church, just cleaning it up during the spring. We took opportunity to thank our our two interim treasurers for working really hard and keeping our finances on track, and then welcoming a new treasurer in recently who's been doing a really great job. We also participated in Serve Dodge County, where we painted Pat Davis's house and helped get Linda Jans a new ramp, or not a new ramp, just a ramp into her house so that she can get into her house more effectively. We sent a group of teenagers to Oklahoma on doing some service projects, and we supported Don through the LIMS program and, and supported him in his multiple trips to Liberia. We worked through financial shalom, which we're still working through, trying to make sure that we honor God with our finances. And then there's just all the normal ministry that happens through King's Kids, through Friendship Club, through TLC, through prayer group, through bulletins, through, and I'm going to miss them, through PowerPoints, through everything that keeps going. And so we were a congregation that was worshiping as a community, using our gifts, help blessing one another. We also this past year started to go local a little bit more. We, we've been going through this process of go local, but we started talking about how can we bring this into the rest of the congregation. And so we expanded our ministry over at Di, Dicora, or now it's 
Beaver Dam Assisted Living, I think, right? I think that was the sign I saw as I came in. So we expanded our ministry over there. The, the kids are going over there regularly. We're doing some more ministry over there. Our caroling ministry got expanded and another place wanted us to come and sing for their facility. And so we're doing some more things like that. Our backpack program added an additional family with the opportunity when we're ready to add another family. We also began attending local events in the community, music in the park, lake days, um, uh, Dodge County Fair in order to go there, be where people in the community are gathering, build some relationships, and look for opportunities to share our faith. And we could say we are worshiping for the community. Our worship began to overflow out of our church into the community. And then we just simply worshiped. Not just here. We worship here on Sunday mornings, but we worshiped out in our everyday lives. But as we came on Sunday mornings, we sang and preached our way through Jonah, Philippians, Daniel, Galatians, a series on worship and a bunch of, um, and a series on the names of the Messiah. I thought, I can't believe that we preached through Jonah a year ago. Does, I don't know, that seems like a really long time ago that we looked at Jonah. We had quarterly hymn sings, and then we just learned to start worshiping God in our every single day life. That as we get up in the morning, and as we go to work, and as we buy groceries, and as we get gas, we start to learn how to worship God. We really were. As, as I went through this past year, I thought we really are a congregation who worshiped the triune God in community, as a community, and for the community. We did that this past year, and obviously we're not doing it perfectly. We can grow in it, and so I look forward to seeing how God's going to grow us in that over this coming year. And, and as we turn from reflecting on the previous year and turn to the upcoming year, I, I have one thing I want to encourage us, and it's based on our text, and I'll get into that in a little bit, but I'll throw it out there at the beginning. One area that I'm going to encourage us to kind of set as maybe a New Year's resolution for our church. It's not because we're terrible at it. It's not because I think we're really bad at it, but I think it's a, a way that we, something that we can grow in and that will help undergird all of the rest of what we do as a church. And that's I want our church to commit to regular Bible reading and regular worship attendance. And uh, because those two things, and I hope you'll see that as we dive into our passage, those two things are necessary for the Christian life. Regularly being in God's Word and regularly attending worship are necessary in us growing in our faith and being firmed up in our faith as we follow God. As, as we read God's Word more and as we worship with other people and hear God's Word preached, our, our faith gets strengthened, our hearts are changed, and then we're equipped to live the life that God has called us to live. That we're, we're equipped to more fully worship God in community as a community and for the community. And so that's what I, I want to encourage that to us. I want to encourage us for that to be our commitment this year. Regular Bible reading, regular worship attendance. And so we dive into this passage um, of Titus. And, and, and Titus and Paul's going to talk about this kind of stuff a lot throughout the book of Titus. And it's important to kind of get where this, I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining the background, but, but at its core, the book of Titus is written from the Apostle Paul to a guy named Titus, who's a young pastor of a struggling church. And so Paul had gone onto this island of Crete with a few guys, and they planted a church in Crete, 
and it was struggling and it was kind of starting to get going, but it wasn't quite going in the right direction. And then Paul had to leave. And so he said, Titus, I'm leaving you here. You're going to be the pastor and your job is to help keep this church heading in the direction that we want it to go. And then after a while, Paul writes a letter to Titus and to the church and says, here's, here's the direction I want you to keep going as, as this becomes more of a church. And today we're looking at just the introduction, but Paul has this kind of tricky way of every time he gives an introduction of a book, he kind of tells you what the rest of the book is going to be about. He just kind of sneaks it in there. And so in this passage, too, he, he tells us that he's an apostle. He says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. So that's who he is. He's saying, this is who I am. This is why I have the authority to write to you. But then he tells us, the purpose that he's an apostle. Why is he an apostle? It's for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. He says that's his purpose. Everything that Paul does as an apostle is for the sake of the faith of God's people. He's doing everything so that he stirs up faith in people, strengthens and undergirds their faith, and helps their knowledge of the truth. That's everything that he does is for that purpose. Faith and knowledge. He's working, working in that. And, and I just want to take a moment to see that connection because we sometimes miss that, I think. That there's a connection between faith and knowledge. That sometimes I'll have people say, well, why do I need to study the Bible so much? I'm not a pastor. And I said, well, there's a connection in the Bible between faith and knowledge. That, that, that when you can't have faith in something that you don't know. Or someone. Like you can't have faith in a God that you don't know anything about. You can't trust him if you don't know that he's a trustworthy God. And so, so we, we, we have to dive in and we have to get to know God more fully. We have to get to know who he is, get to know his character more fully, and get to know what he does and his faithfulness. And as you begin to read scripture, more and more, you're going to see that he's a faithful God with steadfast love. And like our passage said, he's a God who does not lie. And he fulfills every single one of his promises. And as you begin to see that he's faithful and steadfast and he doesn't lie and he fulfills all of his promises, as you see that, you trust him. Say, all right, he's not, he's not lying to me. He's telling me the truth. I trust him. And so you trust him and you put your faith in him and and that your faith begins to strengthen and deepen. And you can't have that faith unless you know God more fully. And you can't come to that knowledge apart from God's word. That's that's the only way we, we, we come to know God more and have our faith deepened is through God's word. And it's also through through preaching. Paul says that at God's appointed season, God brought his word to light through preaching that was entrusted to Paul by the command of God, our Savior. And so, so this is why, if, if, I'll just tell you, if I ever get up and preach and I'm not preaching from the Bible, smack me after church, please. Because my goal when I'm up here preaching is to preach the word of God. Not my opinion or what I think about anything. It's to preach the Word of God. 
Because that's how God speaks to us about who He is and what He has done. He, he speaks to us through the Word of God. And that's why when we come to church on Sunday, we're going to start with Scripture, and then we're going to have a little bit more Scripture, and then I'm going to preach from Scripture, and we're going to end with Scripture. Because this is how God works in our lives. But He does it through the Bible and then through the preaching of His Word. And so as, as we, we listen to preaching regularly, God helps us see more clearly who He is and what He's done, and then it stirs faith in us. He's, he's helping us to know Him more fully so that we trust Him more fully and then we grow in our faith. And so that's why it's, that's why it's really important for us to read our Bibles regularly, and I would say daily. Important for us to read our Bibles daily and to worship weekly. Because as we do that, we grow in our faith. We grow in our knowledge of who God is, and then we, our faith is also strengthened and deepened so that when hard times come, our faith is deep and strong and ready to trust God through that time. So it comes through preaching. It comes through regular Bible reading as well. And you cannot have a strong faith apart from knowing God's Word. Um, if, if your faith is based on anything apart from that, it's going to be tossed back and forth, to and fro, by everything that changes. So if your faith is simply based on experience, um, experience changes. Seasons change. Life changes. Things happen. Experience changes. So if your faith is based on your life experience, your faith is going to change with every experience. Your faith can't be just based on this good feeling that you have deep down inside because... We all know how much our feelings go. Whoop, whoop, whoop. They're flying all over the place. And uh, our faith will go whoop, whoop. <laughs> right along with it if our faith is based on our feelings. And yet, God's Word, like God Himself, is unchanging. It's a firm foundation. It never changes. It doesn't go away. And so when we, when we come to God's Word and we really see who God is, and we base our faith on that, that unchanging rock, then our faith is firm and it, and it doesn't shift all over the place. And, and then you come into these times where experience, you're going to come into this point in your life where experience will tell you that there's no hope. And you'll say, but God's word says that I serve a God who is hope. He's in control. And so I hope in God. My experience tells me there's no hope, but I'm going to trust God because I have a God of hope. Or you'll come to a point in your life where your feelings are telling you that God has left you and forsaken you. You're going to feel that way. And yet, when your faith rests on Scripture, you go, no, my God has told me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. doesn't matter how I feel. God has said He will never leave me nor forsake me. And so, so our faith, as it rests on God's Word, and it rests on this true knowledge of who God is, and we understand more fully who He is and what He has done, our faith goes deep and it's strengthened. And as our faith is strengthened, and as our knowledge grows and our faith is strengthened, then we live godly lives. It actually changes the way we live. And so uh, that's what Paul says. He's an apostle for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness or godly living. And so he says, actually, knowing the Bible, knowing who God is, changes the way we live. 
It changes our hearts. It changes the way we act. And it actually starts to work itself out and through our fingertips and through our mouths and through our feet as we do things in our daily life. And I have to say, though, we all know, right, that there's a certain type of knowledge that doesn't lead to godliness. The Bible even talks about it, right? There's a knowledge that, that puffs up. That there's, we, we all know people who walk through life kind of with their chest puffed out a little bit and can quote to you 150 different Bible verses but are not living godly lives, right? There's a knowledge that, a knowledge of Scripture just for knowledge's sake or for the sake of trying to impress people, and that will never lead towards godliness. It will actually lead you away from godliness and into becoming a Pharisee. But the truth that, that Paul's talking about that leads to godliness is not simply a knowledge of Scripture, but it's a knowledge of God himself. So, so we never come to study Scripture just to know Scripture better. We come to study Scripture to know God, to really know who he is and what he has done, to understand God more fully. And, and we come to worship every Sunday, not just to simply go through the motions or not just to simply get more knowledge of the Bible, but we come every week to know God himself more fully. And as we know God more fully, we trust him more fully. We get to see that God is really a trustworthy God who's worthy of all of our worship. It's not just knowing Bible verses. It's, it's knowing who God is and how he's working in our lives and in the world. And so we, we trust him and we see him as worthy of our worship. And then when God tells us something, we listen. So when God comes and says, love your enemies, we go, I will trust you because you are a trustworthy God. And so I will love my enemies. And when God says, here's how I want you to live in your relationships. And here's how I want you to live out your sexuality. You'll say, I trust you because you are God and I trust you. When, when God says, I will forgive your sins if you turn to me in faith. We trust him. And we turn to him in faith and we say, God, Please forgive me. I trust you. When, when God comes and tells us, I have given you everything you need for life and godliness, then we trust him because he's a trustworthy God who doesn't lie. And as we, as we know those things, it starts to work itself out in how we live and we begin to live godly lives, trusting him. And underneath all of this, this hope, our, all of this faith and knowledge and godliness is our hope of eternal life. It says there's, it's a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. So as we come to know God more fully, our faith is strengthened and deepened and and we begin to live godly lives. And yet undergirding all of that is this beautiful hope of eternal life. That's that's something that's out there that's waiting for us on the horizon. And yet the Bible says we we get a taste of that eternal life right now in this life. And so we get just enough of a taste of it that we know it's really good and we want it and we see it out on the horizon. And so we, we seek it and we keep going for it. And that hope of eternal life that's out there kind of pulls us through all the ups and downs and difficulties of life. It just keeps 
pulling us through, even when, even when our knowledge is really small and our faith is weak and our godliness is immature, hope of eternal life is there, giving us strength and, and dragging us through, giving us a motivation to know God more fully because we have tasted and seen that God is good. And so, so we keep going. And, and when our knowledge, and we don't know what to do, we just keep looking to God and trusting in this eternal life that He has. And when we don't feel like we're strong enough to take another step, we trust in His, that eternal hope, that uh, hope of eternal life that He has given us. And it keeps pulling us through. But we don't find out about that hope of eternal life without reading the Bible. Because that's where it comes, without hearing the word preached. And so if we want to grow, if we want to grow in that hope of eternal life as we live out our lives, we need to be reading our Bibles regularly and attending worship regularly. And if we want to, if we want to grow in our faith and knowledge of God and we want our faith to deepen and strengthen and grow, we need to be reading our Bibles regularly and attending worship regularly. And so I have a couple resources I put together for attending worship Set an alarm, right? And then just come. <laughs> but for reading Bible, as I talk to people about reading the Bible, I often get, well, I don't know where to start. I'm not sure what to do. And so I have four different Bible reading plans. I print it off, and they're on the back table back there by, by the study booklets. Um, and if you don't like any of these, there's a lot of different options out there. But there's, um, there's one here that takes you through the Bible in a year, and you check off the boxes as you go through it. Here's, um, there's two different ones that take you through the Bible in a year, just doing different things. There's, this one is a little more intense. It takes you through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice. And then if you're new to it and you want to just take it easy, here's one that has no plan and you could just start reading one chapter a day and just start checking it off so you know how far you're going because... Checking off boxes always feels pretty good, right? And so, so you just start reading a chapter a day and check it off. I, I did calculations this week. There's about 750,000 words in the New Test, or in the, in the Bible, in the NIV translation of the Bible. And even the slowest readers of us, if we read for 10 minutes a day, would get through the whole Bible in a year. So 10 minutes a day... Even the slower readers of us, you can get through the entire Bible in a year. So I'm, I'm encouraging you to do that. Grab one of those sheets of paper. If you want a different plan, come and talk to me. I've got lots of them. That's one of my favorite things to do is give people different plans to read through the Bible. But, but we don't do it just for doing it. We're, we're coming to the Bible and we're reading it so that we know God. So we know Him more fully. So that our hope of eternal life is strengthened. So that our faith is deepened. And as we leave, we start to live godly lives. And God has promised that he will bless it when we read the Bible regularly and when we attend worship regularly. He's promised to bless it. And we should trust him in his promises because, as we read this morning, he doesn't lie. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blessing and the promise and the gift of your word to us. We thank you that you have promised us that your word will never return void, that every time we come to your word and we read it, that you will do something and work in us. And so we just pray, Lord, that you would, you would continue to stir in us a heart to read and love your word. 
Father, help us to hold each other accountable, to be in your word regularly, to hear your word preached regularly, Lord. And then we just pray that you would bless those those things, that you would take this knowledge that we gain from the Bible and may it stir our hearts in faith and godly living. May it not become a knowledge that simply puffs us up, but may it be a knowledge that leads to godliness. We pray that you would do that in this church, that you would give us the strength and the endurance to keep reading, and we pray that you would bless it and that you would use this congregation to more fully worship in community, as a community, and for the community. We pray this all in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen.